Welcome to the Restoration Church Life Podcast. This resource exists to keep you informed about the various happenings inside the life of our church and equip you to apply the gospel to all areas of life that together we might delight in the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Hello, Restoration Church. Welcome to another episode of the Restoration Church Life Podcast as we have been talking about a sensitive yet needed subject to address uh, that of pornography. So we encourage you, if you haven't listened to the first uh, three of these episodes, to go back and listen to those even before you listen to this one. Uh, but today we're going to be addressing, uh, at least beginning to address in this episode, how to deal with pornography inside a marriage. And all we've said so far, most notably, is that sexual immorality is pervasive even in the church. It's not okay because it does not reflect on the greatness of the glory of God and his intentions for us, his good plans for us, and we need to have a multifaceted approach to overcoming it. Yeah, and so that's what we've talked about in the past couple yeah. of episodes is yeah. the problem, why it's wrong, and then how we begin going about addressing it. And so in this episode and the next, we're going to specifically talk about inside the context of marriage and how to begin uh, dealing with there. So – if you are unmarried and you're listening to this, let me encourage you not to turn it off yet. Uh, one, because members of our church are married and you can help them in their marriages. Two, you might be married one day. Uh, and then let me also say that if you're unmarried and you are currently engaging in some type of porno pornography and you think that getting married is going to fix that issue, Nathan, what would you tell them? How would you say, yeah, that, that's going to fix the problem. Just get married. That is a lie. So it will not fix it. If anything, it's actually making deposits of destruction into your marriage now. And so it's important that these ideas get in your heart and your mind now so as, uh, so that when the marriage comes, it will be more healthy. So you need to be understanding these things now, um, so as to push against any destruction, any more destruction that may come later if and when you get married. Yeah, that's right. Marriage does not redeem sexuality. Only Jesus Christ does. Amen. That's it. So. Yeah. All right. So as we as we get, begin to think about marriage itself, Nathan, what is what is one of the first things that we need to have in our hearts and our minds as we start thinking about sexual immorality, particularly pornography, inside the life of a, of a marriage? Well, I'm, I'm imagining the scenario of a husband walking in on a wife or a wife walking in on a husband um, you know, something to where, in other words, to where the hurt comes out and it wasn't intended to be told to them. But that would be one scenario. Another scenario is one of the spouses confesses to the other one. Either way, I think the first thing we would want to say to the offended party is that we recognize and the person that is confessing this or was wrong in this, um, needs to recognize that that pain is very real mm -hmm. and they should weep. They should feel hurt. They should feel sinned against. Um, tears should come. Um, and the, again, not, not only that person, but the person involved in the community around them, if it gets to that level, and uh, hopefully it will eventually, but even in the early days, they should weep with them, right? We have a, we as a church covenant that we would, uh, weep with those that weep. I think the Bible commands us to do that. And so I, I think the first thing we would want to, me to make note of is that the pain is very real and it's very, very deep and very hard. That's right. Yeah. And so we don't want to, we don't want to pull out Romans 8 28 right away. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah. and, <laughs> right. And, and yeah. be callous and cold, but uh, very compassionate and warm because this is not the way it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. God has created sex and that physical intimacy to be a cherished thing inside the life of a marriage. And even if it doesn't involve another person per se, 
quote, but mm-hmm. pornography, it is, it is devastating. Yeah. And so we need to sympathize and empathize as best we can yeah. with those that have been affected. And the offender needs to come to grips with the weight of what they've done. Yeah. And, and if, for those of you that maybe might get a phone call like this, that maybe one of the spouses calls out to them and they're weeping, don't give them platitudes. Don't give them Romans 8.28. Just don't feel the need to try to say just the right thing. Mm-hmm. Just weep with them. That's right. Weep with them. Be broken with them. Yeah. And um, I think in, inside of that is if your spouse, you either catch them in, in an act of uh, pornography or they confess it, um, sometimes the, the offender, the offended can begin to think it's my fault. For whatever reason, it's my fault. If I would have just done X, then they wouldn't have done this. And that's not the case. Uh, you, 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 you never cause in the strictest sense your spouse to sin. And so while there are all kinds of things that happen inside of a marriage, that, that's not the primary reason why people go and pursue sexual immorality. Jesus says everything, including sexual immorality, comes out from what's in our heart. Mm-hmm. And so I think remembering that as well. Yeah. So, so don't try to load guilt on yourself. That's right. That's for right. that, if you're the uh, offended yeah. party, so we need to we need to start by just acknowledging that there's pain, there's brokenness. Yeah. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, this yeah. is not how we're supposed to use the gift yeah. of intimacy uh, in this way. Yeah. So, what well, would be that's one? A, that's a real stage that needs to be worked through. You know, there's a time for weeping. You know, there's, uh, and so we need to work through that. But in order to begin to move towards health, uh, in the same way that our relationship with the Father had to be reconciled through forgiveness, that's how it's going to be. Inside of a marriage, there's going to have to be forgiveness if there's going to be if there's going to be healing. Uh, now, this you know act of forgiveness, even the process of for- forgiveness, is difficult. It's painful. It's hard. But I think oftentimes when we think about this, when we especially the offended party uh, has you know they they know that probably Jesus would have them to to forgive. Matter of fact, let me let me go ahead and read a passage from Jesus when he says. And Matthew uh, 6, um, verse 14, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So in order for there to be reconciliation in the marriage, there has to be forgiveness. But we have to recognize that forgiveness is hard to come to. That's right. And I think one of the reasons it's hard, it's uh, one of the reasons it's hard for the offended party in particular to be the one to offer forgiveness is because there's oftentimes some misunderstanding about what forgiveness is and isn't. So, Joey, what would you say, first off, as we try to get towards health in the marriage, uh, what is forgiveness not? What is it not? Yeah, so in, in the premarital counseling that I do, we talk. this is one of the main things we talk about. And these are not my words. I've taken them from somebody somewhere. Uh, but the forgiveness is not these four things. It's not ignoring. So it's it's not as a, it's just acting as though the sin didn't happen. First of all, you couldn't do that, and that's not what God did with our sin. He didn't ignore it. It's it's also not minimizing. So uh, we as we just talked about, sin inside the life of a marriage, particularly one involving pornography, is of great consequence and weight. And so we don't want to minimize it and just say, oh, don't worry, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so so forgiveness is not ignoring, it's not minimizing, and it's not excusing. It's not saying it's okay. It's not saying go do it again. It's not saying any of those things, and it's certainly not forgetting. Mm-hmm. So sometimes people say, oh, just forgive and forget. Well, you cannot forget things like this. 
Uh, that's not what God does with our sin. That's passive. God says he remembers our sin no more, which is a very active and ongoing thing. And so forgiveness begins to walk these things out in these ways, uh, remembering that it's not ignoring, it's not minimizing, it's not excusing, and it's it's not forgetting. It's, it's none of those things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I think in order to, to forgive and understand how we've been forgiven and then begin the process, the long, hard process of moving toward our spouse in forgiveness, we've got to start with what it's not. Yeah, it's not saying that what was done was okay yeah. and we're not sweeping it under the rug. doesn't even mean that there's not consequences. We can talk about that. Right. Yeah, and it's not it's not a gospel platitude of God forgave you, so you go forgive your spouse. Yeah. Again, yeah. that's tr- theologically true, but working that out requires time and patience and insight and yeah, it's hard. I think just an add, just to add on to that, forgiveness is not easy. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, so right. my goodness, we look at the cross of Christ. He's beaten, he's battered, he's bruised, he's mocked. That process of bringing about the forgiveness of our sins was messy and ugly and difficult. And so, forgiveness is not easy. And so, therefore, it shouldn't be a platitude. Mm-hmm. You know, just forgive as you have been forgiven. I mean, that's true. That's where we got to get to. But we need to understand that it's not those things that we just referenced. In particular, it's not easy. So let's, we need to ask, ask the question, for what is forgiveness? You know, so we've just defined what it's not, but what is it? So what is it, Nathan? What, it, what is forgiveness? Well, I think when you, when you go to scripture, there's a few scriptures that, that guide us. I mean, obviously, when we look at the gospel, we see what forgiveness is. So I think a couple of scriptures come to mind. Second Corinthians 5.17, uh, tells us, uh, the, well, Second Corinthians 5.21, forgive me, for our sake he made him, that's Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So we see what's happening there. Forgiveness to occur was Christ became sin. That is, he absorbed the pain, the difficulty, the curse of our sin, which makes us also think about Galatians 3, uh, 13. Christ redeemed us, we could say forgave us, from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Uh, so so we learn that forgiveness is uh receiving, being willing to receive the blows, the penalty, the curse, as it were, of the pain of being sinned against in order to absorb it, get rid of it, and dismiss it so that it is no longer being held over the other person. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, the picture the picture of the gospel is, is Christ is receiving the blow, the penalty of the sin, the curse of the sin, for the purposes of then putting it aside so that reconciliation can happen. Right. And I, and I think yeah and in in the context of marriage this is it's always important for the Christian but in the context of a marriage this is what marriage is supposed to display. Yeah. Ephesians yeah, 5. Good. I am talking about Christ yeah. and the church. Yeah. And so marriage is to display yeah. the the lavish, gracious, love motivated, sacrificial forgiveness that Christ has for the church. That's right. Now just like our sin, that does not mean that there are no consequences to sin. There are consequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have to always aim for forgiveness and reconciliation right. as we think about and deal with those consequences as they happen. So we're not saying become doormats, welcome right. in right away, no consequences, everything's the same. Uh, we're not saying that, mm-hmm. but we are saying forgiveness must be the path on which we are, and the gospel informs that because our marriages are meant to display the gospel of right. Christ. Yeah, that's right. And we need to recognize that you know the, the offended party rightfully wants to see the person, you know, their spouse get punished in some ways to feel the pain of what they've done to them. And I think it's helpful for the offended party. This is not a platitude. It's a beautiful statement that's real and true uh, that will help them get to a place to where they can gladly forgive. And that is they be they're reminded that uh, Christ 
absorb the punishment of that sin for the spouse. Mm. So they have been punished in Christ. Christ was punished for them for the sin, which I think that, uh, yeah, so it's helpful to be reminded that, that that desire to want to see them get punished, you know, in forgiveness, what did happen in Christ? And secondly, therefore, the forgiveness, if it's happening, then it can't be held ever since it's been offered. Once you do forgive, which is what we just defined, absorbing it and removing it, therefore, it can't continue to be held over. So it can't come back up. Now, we're going to get to consequences in a minute, but it can't be held over the person over and over and over and over again, because if so, then therefore there wasn't forgiveness because God does not hold our sins over us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So in, in this, Nathan, what would be a few unhelpful things that the offender could do? So let's say the, 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 the spouse has been sinned against is mm-hmm. trying to work out forgiveness, right? Yeah. And so what would be some unhelpful things for the, the spouse who offended to, to say or to do or to ask? Yeah. Well, if, first of all, if, if the husband was the offender, uh, they should better not in any way demand forgiveness, you know, sort of say like, hey, you, the Bible has commands you to do this, so do it. You know, that I think that's kind of taking the role of the father in a way that's unhealthy. Um, so I'd say, one, demanding that they forgive. That seems to, to represent that that spouse didn't understand the, the, the weight of what they've done. Secondly, in particular, as it, well, either one of them, demanding uh, sexual intimacy in some ways because they kind of feel like it's a right of theirs. That's right. Uh, so First no, Corinthians 7 says you shouldn't withhold sex from your spouse, so let's right. go. Right? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a flat reading of the Bible that's yeah, not that helpful. so unhelpful. Yeah. Um, and so I would say making sort of – maybe we can even flatten that out, Joey, to say kind of making biblical demands and like sort of calling the spouse that's been offended to them now, mm. you know, um, that would – if somebody's doing that, if one of the spouses is doing that, that would seem to me that they're not recognizing the pain that they've caused. Yeah, amen. So yeah. that would be an unhelpful thing. I think yeah. – so I, I, I think, too, what would be – what would be helpful? What would be helpful, I believe, is confessing the weight of your sin against them, recognizing, even if you don't understand – saying, I want to understand the pain you're feeling. And so I give you permission to let me know what you're feeling, what you're experiencing as that's helpful. And if you don't want to do that and that's not helpful, I'm okay with that too. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I think as you're able um, yourself, the offended um, or the offender rather getting community and and not trying to make decisions in isolation, Mm -hmm. but trying to help have others help you work out what would be the best way to live this out, Uh, not trusting yourself as it were. Yeah, and I'd add one more. I think going back to the to the story in Luke seven of the sinful woman from thirty six to fifty, that'd be a good guide to go back and read after this. You listen to this podcast, where we see that Jesus, with well, the Simon the Pharisee, is the one that's sort of calling people to action. And the thing that Jesus is highlighting uh, that Simon the Pharisee doesn't understand was grace. Mm-hmm. And so that the sinful woman that had committed sexual sin, she seemed to understand grace and was moved by it. So therefore, the the offender needs to be broken and be glad of the grace that God has given, and therefore he should be gracious and patient and uh, kind and compassionate towards the spouse of whom they have offended. Yeah. So grace has got to mark, and that's going to be on the opposite side too, right? How is it, where is it we get the strength to even offer grace or, or of, of forgiveness? Well, again, I just gave the answer. It's in grace. 
Right again, I think Luke seven thirty six to fifty is a good informant of yeah. this passage. Right. So yeah, so we we acknowledge the pain. That's the process of walking us out. We we acknowledge the gospel is true, no matter how I feel about it. The gospel is true, therefore it must inform how I begin to act. Mm-hmm. And so I think another in, in that remembering what you feel now is not going to be the last thing you feel. So you're going to be processing these feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and lastly, and we we would talk about how one of the dealing with this is you've always got to be mindful. There's there's always hope. Yeah, there's always hope. Yeah, that's exactly uh, right. And so as we walk this out, this is not just trying to get your spouse to stop um, pursuing pornography. It's bigger than that. It's a display of Christ in the church and the hope mm-hmm. that we have before us. And so where would you go, Nathan, to help help a married couple begin to think about the hope that is before them in this? Even in this, this mm-hmm. is this in a way, this is mm-hmm. you know, God uses even sinful situations to remind us the hope that is yeah. before us. So, yeah. so I think when we're uh, really in the midst of the brokenness of the damaging, the destruction of pornography, I think one of the things that it's easy to do is to be hopeless. And so we need to be hopeful, I think on two levels, sort of hopeful in our marriage in particular and in our hopefulness in Christ. And so uh, one scripture that comes to mind as we think about hopefulness in the midst of hopelessness uh, is that level, that first level of hopefulness in your marriage. And a, one verse comes to mind from Romans fifteen four, that says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we may have hope. Uh, and so I think you can have hope for the healing and the health of your marriage in particular, while it definitely feels as though it's hopeless, you can have hope in this scripture I think is telling us, Romans 15.4 is telling us when we look back in the story of the Bible, it is littered with stories of sexual immorality. I mean, tons of them. Name a few. I mean, my goodness. Well, I I just, Samson's on the top of my mind, Abraham, David. I mean, there's so many. Uh, And so those stories, according to Romans 15.4, what it's saying there, Paul is telling us that those stories, part of the reason they're there is to give us hope in our own difficulties, in particular in our own sexual, in the midst of uh, sexual immorality. So, uh, yeah. the offend, the offended can have hope that this can get to a place of health, and the offendor can recognize and put his or her hope in Christ and know that there can be hope as well. But there's also a second level of hope. So I think there's one, the first thing, there can be hope for health in your marriage to where it can get to a place of health. But also there's a greater hope. There is. And I'd say on that first one, hope in your marriage, as I said before, what you feel now Mm -hmm. is not going to be the last thing you feel. Mm-hmm. So you yeah, may yeah. feel that you have a level of hopeness. This is never going to work itself out. My mm-hmm. my spouse is never going to be sorrowful like they should, or I'm never going to be able to forgive like the gospel calls me to. But I would just encourage you, that's not the last feeling you're going to have. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what you feel now is not going to be the last. So that, that Even that, being mindful of that, mm-hmm. I think is going to give you a level of hope inside of your marriage. Mm-hmm. But again, that that's hope here. But there's also an ultimate hope. It's the Revelation 19 hope. It's the mm-hmm. hope that whether you're married or you're unmarried, now there is a hope of having a perfect 
marriage, mm. that Christ and the church, what mm. our marriages point to now, what our church family points to now, mm. that we have the great hope mm. of a perfect marriage with Christ in heaven forever, enjoying life it was always meant to be. So all the yeah. the pleasures we've been seeking here now and have been so shallowly satisfied with, mm-hmm. we'll get the ultimate pleasure, the mm-hmm. ultimate happiness, the ultimate joy then in that day. No matter what. And that can't be taken away from us. The best is always in front of us. And, and that should motivate, right, the person who has committed yeah. the sin, brokenness, weary, over their sin, and it should it should help the person who's been sinned against yeah. on both those levels. And yeah. so the the gospel is an equal opportunist when it's speaking to the offender, how they should act, mm-hmm. and the offended, yeah. how they should act, and what both should hope in. Yeah. And grace, and just another way to say that is grace should be informing both of them. That's right. This is not a one-sided issue. Yeah. It, it talks to both, and it takes both working it out in their marriage to bring about the flourishing that we want yeah. to see. Trust in Christ. Rest in his grace. Move forward with hope. That's right. Yeah. And so, uh, thank you for listening to this. So if you're, whether you're married or you're unmarried and you are, uh, struggling with, with pornography or lust at some level, let someone know. That's why one of the reasons why we're doing this. We want to drag these things out into the light that we might bring the hope of the gospel, both for those that are, that are doing the offending or doing the sinning and those that have been sinned against, that we might live in a way that makes much of Christ. And so next time we'll come back and we'll answer a few more questions about how to deal with, uh, pornography and marriage. Uh, but until then, Restoration Church, we love you and we count it a joy to pastor you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Restoration Church Life Podcast. May God continue to give us the grace to make disciples that delight in the supremacy of Jesus Christ in Washington, D.C. and beyond.